Hallelujah. Anybody got a praise for him this morning? Hallelujah. God's good to us. You can be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Lesson number three in the heart of worship. And today we will talk about the time for worship. And because God is always worthy of worship, he's always worthy, then we must worship the Lord at all times. At all times. If you've been reading uh, in the new year, a lot of people have, are on the bread program, different things, reading their Bibles through in a, in a year, 90 days, different things. But uh, you've already gotten through the part uh, in Genesis where Abraham has been called and uh, you know God speaks to Abraham and tells him, you're going to be a father of many nations. And of course, Abraham had a few concerns and questions seeing uh, his age along with the age of his wife, how that they were going to um, have a child before they left this world because I think they had pretty much resolved themselves that that was how it was going to be, that uh, their age and this is just it. But still, he believed God. But God promised Abraham and Sarah a son in their old age, and through the fulfillment of that promise, uh, even though it seemed completely irrational and impossible, God did what he said he would do. God did what he said he would do. It's, it's not for us to, to look at the circumstances and, and say this is just how it's going to be, but when we look at our circumstances, we know that we have a God who can change our circumstances and bring life out of death. He can bring uh, a feast in the middle of famine. Uh, I remember uh, Brother Conaway preaching years ago a miracle in a desert place. And he was preaching about, of course, the feeding of the multitude in the desert. And so God can take things that look like it's impossible for it to happen, and it happens anyway. God can do it. So Abraham and Sarah do have a child, and they raise this son, fully convinced that God would fulfill his covenant and make of them a great nation. And now watching Isaac grow they are even more certain of God's plans. They, they've had this child, loved this child, watched this child, and then God calls out, Abraham, here I am. Take this child, your only child, this child you love, and I want you to take him out uh, to a mountain that I'll tell you of, and I want you to offer him for a burnt offering there. Now, wait a minute. This is the child that you promised, and... Lord, we love this child. You got to think all the things Abraham's thinking. Uh, you know, a command like that would test anybody's faith. Yeah. Because we're used to uh, things that will break our heart and destroy us coming from the enemy. Right. But this is God. Now, you told me when it's completely impossible, we're going to have a child. And now you're telling me after we have this child and love this child and we're so sure of the promise of the, the nations you're going to raise, now you want me to kill this. Have I done something wrong? Yeah. What did I do that you're taking this from me? And you know, it, it wouldn't be strange uh, you know, in that land because there were a lot of people who worshipped all kinds of gods. They, they offered sacrifice. They sacrificed their children to other gods. But this wasn't the God Abraham knew about. This was the God that promised children and, and gave impossible miracles to people. And, and he gave us a child to love and to raise. And he's got promises. There's covenant been made. And what are you, 
this is not the God I know. You've got to try to, what is Abraham thinking? Well, I'm not sure what all he thought, and I'm not sure uh, how all he felt, but I do know what he did. Early the next morning, Abraham loads, gets everything together, loads up the donkey, takes his son, takes two servants with him, and starts heading out to the place that God told him about. And for three days, they're journeying. Three days, Abraham knows where he's going. He knows what he's about to do. But he went anyway. You know, there's some things that you learn about God along the way. When Abraham didn't even know God, God said, get up and get out of this land. Leave everything, your family, leave your land, and go to the place that I tell you of. And he went. And because he did that, he was blessed. It's something that Abraham had learned about God, that he may tell me to go some places, and I don't even know where I'm going or how I'll handle it, but God is faithful wherever I go. And so uh, Abraham shows his faith because it says, the next one, he got up early. He wasn't piddling around, trying to delay getting out of there. He, he got up and got about what God asked him to do. He didn't even seem to question. He just obeyed. That's why he's the father of faith. That's why it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And, and it didn't make sense. It, was, it seemed inconsistent with the God he had come to know. But he knew. And we read about it in the New Testament to kind of get an a insight to his mindset that he knew that God was able to raise this child from the dead if he had to go through with this sacrifice. And so he went and he took uh, the child and he went with him. Now before he gets ready to go up uh, the hill, he looks at the men there. He says, now you guys stay here, uh, me and the lad. We're fixing to go up the mountain. We're going to worship and then we're going to come again. We'll be back. The time to worship God is all the time. And, and what he was about to do may seem crazy to call it worship. But when you can obey God in the middle of the roughest of circumstances, that's worship. When you can keep walking the path that God called you to walk when it's breaking your heart, that's worship. When you can keep going the way that God wants you to go even when you don't understand it, that's worship. The time to worship God is all the time. I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let me tell you, this fits right in with our theme for the year about I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. When Paul did what he did and Apollos did what he did, God moved. And let me tell you, when we worship, God will move. When you worship, God will respond. God always responds to people worshiping him. In Matthew chapter 8, uh, you find a leper coming down. Uh, as Jesus comes off the mountain from preaching, a leper just comes running into the midst of everybody, and he worships, and Jesus lays his hand on his head and heals his body. He worshiped, and Jesus responded. He was sick. People, he was an outcast. His body was racked with this leprosy. Uh, he knew that he was not supposed to be there. He had to go declaring his uncleanness everywhere he went. But in the worst of his circumstances, he knew that if I can just worship God, I believe something can happen here, and it did. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 6, you, you learn about a man that was filled with a legion of devils. And when Jesus stepped into his country, 
He ran out of the tombs. He ran away from uh, all that crying and cutting himself and hurting himself. Uh, just ran and fell down, and it says, and he fell before him and worshipped him. And his life was changed from that day on. When you can worship God, you can make a statement like Abraham said, we're going to worship and come again. He didn't say, I'm just coming back. He said, we're going to go worship and come again, insinuating that we're both going up, we're both coming back. Because when you worship God, he will make a way. The time to worship God is all the time. The time is the most valuable thing that we have, this commodity given to us on earth. There's a lot of things given to us that we've got to have. But if we didn't have time, we couldn't get nothing done, even if we had the supplies. With time, we can accomplish amazing things. It allows us uh, space to create, to love, to serve, and express the God-given abilities that we have received. What if God called you to something and then didn't give you any time to work on it? It's no good. You need the time. He gave uh, Noah uh, plans for an ark, and then he gave him a space of time to complete the work so that him and his family could be saved. What makes time so valuable is that it cannot be saved or stored for later use. Time is constantly being spent. You can't grab it and hold on to it. You can't tie it down. We'll say, well, I'm doing this to save time, but we're not really saving time. Because you can't stop. Time is always moving. It's, it's always going. You can't slow it down. You can't stop it. Time is on the move. Our life is a vapor in this world, and it appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And when a moment passes, it'll never come around again. Those who recognize this, uh, they guard their time and they spend it wisely. But some fail to understand the fleeting nature of time, and they throw it away on things that are insignificant and often very selfish pursuits. Often things that seem important are not really that important. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever got tied up in something and you thought, man, yep, this is it, this is what I'm going to do, and then you realize, what a waste of time that was. Yeah, you know, Maybe it was a job, maybe it was uh, you know, uh, school sometimes, or class, or, you know, or a hobby, you know, thought, yeah, I'm going to do this, I mean, and... Uh, you know, it's like uh, just wasting my time. Yeah. You start thinking about, man, I, I invested three years into raising peacocks, and <laughs> it, it didn't, I didn't make a dime. It just, you know, I just lost money on it. It wasted, I wasted time, and it was time-consuming. And so whatever it is, something, you know, that, that sounds silly, but that's what I'm talking about. People do things that are so silly, yeah. wasted so much time. And I'm not against hobbies, and I'm not against people having uh, things to do other than uh, go to church. I know we've got other things we do, but you cannot let things eat your time up. You know, I, I, there are some things that I love to do, and I have to make sure that I don't let it just consume me. And, uh, I mean, I like it, people know that I love to hunt, but I have to make sure that I don't just spend crazy money. I, and I have made sure that I don't. I, I'm not spending five, dollars $6,000 to go hunting. Somewhere, not when I can step out my back door. But uh, even with that, I can't just go all the time, every single day, five, six, eight hours a day. You know, all of a sudden I realize three months have gone by and I haven't done anything but sit in a tree. And while I might have enjoyed it, I have wasted time. 
and it consumed me. I don't want anything else to get in front of me in my time with God. Things we've got to recognize what steals our time and recognize things that come disguised as something important. Paul, there was a, a statement, you used to hear the old, uh, older saints really quote this uh, a lot. Uh, pull up Ephesians 5 and 14. I want to read through here. Paul's kind of mentioning to this church of some time stealers to be, beware of. Did I give you that scripture, sis? Ephesians 5 and 14. If I didn't give it to you, I'm going to pull it up right quick right here. But in Ephesians 5, he's writing, and he says, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Get out of this fog you're in, you're wasting time. And then see that you walk circumspectly, and not as fools, but as wise people. Be wise, because you need to redeem the time, for the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days of evil. Man, I heard people preaching that when I first got in the church and quoting that and talking about that because they realized that uh, just like the, the people who lived on the earth in the days of Noah, you know, it says in that time while the ark was preparing that they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were just going about their everyday life while the ark was preparing. Things were getting ready. There was a, a time. It, it was just like this. It was coming closer and closer to being time to get on that ark. And they were unconcerned about it. They heard Noah preaching. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. And, and they just wasted time. But, man, Noah didn't. Noah was sawing and hammering and pitching and building and, and grabbing animals, you know, grabbing things that they needed. They were getting supplies ready, the food that they were going to have to have because he knew that one day, just like out of the blue, God spoke to him and said, build an ark, he was going to speak and say, it's time to get on. And so just like one day God called us to serve him and to walk with him, one day he's going to call us out. One day he's going to either we're going to get caught away in the rapture of the church or, or we're going to bust out of that grave. But, but somehow God's going to call us again. What are we doing with the time given right now? What are we doing as we serve him? We need to redeem the time for the days are evil. And hit the next verse, uh, sis. Be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. If there's anything that will help you in this day and time not to waste time, it is to be filled with the Spirit. Because the Spirit will lead you into all truth. And God is not going to lead you into things that are wasting your time. That's always us. God will never put you into a place, a position, or anything that's a waste of your time. If he put you there, it's for a reason. If he called you to it, it's because you're the one to fill that role. It's not just something to kill time. He does not believe in just killing time, wasting time. He's about being on time and doing what he's supposed to do for the Lord. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. I can't be, I'm 12. I know I'm 12, but I can't be wasting time. All these other 12-year-olds playing, kick the can or kick the fig or whatever they played back then in that day. And uh, Jesus is in the temple talking to doctors, talking about Scripture, preaching, blowing their mind. 12 years old. He, worried, he wasn't worried about playing around. It was time to be about the Father's business. And so time, we need to remember uh, that it's fleeting. It's always moving. 
So do what you can right now with everything you've got. Do it with your might. In Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, uh, he begins to give us a discourse on season and times. And he starts out saying, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There is a proper time for every single thing. There is a time for planting and a time for harvesting, for breaking things down and building things up, a time of laughter, a time of weeping, a time of mourning, and a time of rejoicing. There will be those times when we lose, and there will be times when we win. A time for everything. There are precious times when you can embrace those you love, and there will be those times, heartbreaking times, when you will have to refrain from embracing when you have to let things go. There's always been a time of war and time of peace, and there's a time to speak, and there's also a time to be silent. So we realize that there is a season and a time for everything, but it's up to us. We control. We are in control of the things that get our time. There is a time and season for everything, but we are in control of the things that eat our time up. We can't say we were, you know, forced into it, coerced into it, whatever. We can say no. We can say not today, not this weekend, not this. You know, some people just can't say no. Hey, come go with me here. Come go with me there. No. I've got, if it interrupts your time with God, if it interrupts what you're supposed to be doing with God. You know, somebody called me uh, this morning and said, hey, you know what? I got an opportunity. Why don't you come down here and, and let's go. The car show. Let's go look at these Mustangs. Let's go look at these. Let's go kill a deer. Sure. They'll find somebody to preach. That's not the way it works. Sunday is my time to be in my place. I'm supposed to be uh, in this house praying, getting ready. I'm supposed to be here where I am right now, preaching to the saints of God and, and, and teaching them and trying to encourage them. I'm right where I am supposed to be. This is my time to do what God called me to do. And I don't want to waste his time. I don't want to waste my time. And I don't want to waste your time. And so uh, we don't want to waste time. Time. What are you doing with the time you've got? David makes it clear again in Psalm 34 and 1. This is what he does with his time. I will bless the Lord at all times. It's one thing, no matter what I'm doing, it is always time to bless God. It does not matter where I'm at, what's going on. It is always time to bless God. When you, uh, if you, if your Bible has these, sometimes they don't. I've seen it in some Bibles that it doesn't have the, the superscription at the beginning of each chapter. It tells you, like under what circumstances or what state that uh, David or whichever psalmist wrote actually wrote this psalm. But this one was a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. So when we read that, if you've read your Bible and you realize the times and the things that were happening to David in his life right then, uh, that to David at all times meant even in times of adversity and struggle. This was not a good time for David. Saul was trying to kill him, so David had fled. And he, why he went to Gath, I don't know, but that's where he went. And when he got there, the people that uh, were from that country, they said, Listen, hey, king, this is David. Yeah. Let me sing you a song. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. And they realize, uh, oh, you know, 
even David's past, it wasn't just that Saul was chasing him, now his past was a noose around his neck, even though it was victorious. In that land, it was going to kill him because we don't need this guy turning against us in our own country. Why is he here? Remember Goliath? Yeah, I remember him. That's the dude. That's the guy. That's that David. And so David starts fearing for his life, starts acting like a crazy man, clawing the gate, clawing the door, spit running down his chin and everything. And Abimelech says, I ain't worried about this cat. He, you know, he's nothing. Uh, he's crazy. Get him out of here. I got to get him away. And, and so David, you know, he pretends to be insane. I hope I don't ever have to get to a point where it's like that, where I have to act like I'm crazy uh, to save my life. But he, he, he had to do something. It didn't quite work out like he planned. David, David thought, I'll go here and they'll just accept me and say, come on, uh, yeah, join right in. But it, it wasn't what David had imagined. And so when Abimelech sees how he's acting, he's disgusted and, and cast him from his presence. So David escapes and he goes to the cave of Adulam, Adulam, one of those. There's a, and a said about 400 men gathered to him. All of a sudden he's got these people around him. And it says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and, and he became their commander. Now all of a sudden, he's got an army of 400 men that are there with him. And so he didn't have clear direction on what to do next, but now he's not alone. And so that's when they, so all these circumstances, you know, we, we, we quote this, we sing it, I'll bless the Lord at all times. But this is when David writes this, when he realizes, man, my life, I don't even know what I'm doing. The ground is falling out from under me, but, uh, and I'm in a cave, used to be in a palace, should be in a palace. I'm the anointed king of Israel. I'm hiding in a cave with 400 discontented, grumpy people. I'll bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth because God is always worthy of worship, and we must worship God at all times. Even when we feel like uh, we are just running without direction. When we feel like we're hiding in a cave just trying to survive, we've got to realize that God is still on our side. And David knew that God had anointed him. He knew that God had called him. And he said, I know this is crazy. Where I'm at, I can't believe. I, um, I hadn't had a bath. I hadn't had a good meal. I'm in this cold cave. But God is still worthy. Good times, bad times, fiery trials, tests, all kind of situations or circumstances, we must worship the Lord at all times. Because I'm going to bring you back to Abraham for a minute. Remember how that he was about to be brokenhearted, fixing to lay his only son that he laid, uh, that he loved so much, lay him on an altar and sacrifice him. And, but he said, I'm going to worship. And then uh, God, we know the story, God made a way. And then you think about uh, this man with leprosy, just runs out of here, skin falling off, no telling what he looked like, falls down in front of Jesus, worshiping, gets his healing. He had lived a lot of bad years. He'd had some rough times. He was sick and cast out and couldn't even uh, touch his loved one. Maybe he had a wife and kids, couldn't even hug them, couldn't touch them because if he did, then they were unclean. 
And so then you see this man with a legion of devils and he's living inside of him and he's crying and nobody can help him. They try to bind him up to keep him from cutting himself and he's doing all kinds of things just tormented in his mind. Watching people, I'm sure, sitting up there in the tombs and there goes regular people going by. How come they got it so good and I'm up here tormented? But as soon as he sees Jesus step into his land, he knows what he must do. And even while he, he's unclothed, he is a mess, and he's just full of things and filth, and he falls down and he worships. And it changed everything. And David knew that if I could just keep worshiping God, if you want to learn something from David, it was, oh, I'd love to be a worshiper like David, then be prepared sometimes to dwell in the cave. Be prepared sometimes for people to cast a javelin at you. Be prepared sometimes to face a few giants, some lions and some bears, and, and maybe even have people close to you say, oh, wouldn't you lovely out there worshiping today? You know, it doesn't matter. Just because we're worshipers, it doesn't mean we're going to have hard times. But we don't stop worshiping any time. Because he's worthy to be praised and he's worthy to be worshipped at all times. And so, uh, again, along the theme of our, our new year, uh, planting and watering, if I'll do my part, God's going to do his part. And there is no better thing that you can do uh, at all times than worship God. Because when we worship, he responds. God will always be moved by worship. Jesus made the statement in John chapter 4. When he told that woman at the well, he said, They that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth, for God seeketh such. God is looking for those that are worshiping. And if he finds somebody worshiping, he's going to reward. He's going to respond. He's going to take care of them. I've already told this story. I think maybe it was last Sunday when I testified and told about it. But uh, when that miracle, when I heard the voice of God uh, riding down the road in that truck. I was worshiping God in my vehicle. I didn't care. I had the radio as loud as it would go. And man, it was pumping in there. And I was just worshiping and shouting and praising God. And right in the middle of that, close your eyes. And I shut my eyes and something hit the windshield and glass flew all over me and it was everywhere. And I opened my eyes up and looked and saw what had happened. And I knew that God had spared me from having my eyes put out from snatching the truck and rolling it and, and killing myself. And, you know, why? Because he saw me driving down the interstate, worshiping him, praising him, lifting my voice. Got, I'm not going to let him die like that. I'm not going to let him get hurt like that. Man, he's praising me and the enemy's trying to take him out. No way. Ain't going to happen. And let me tell you, it won't happen to you either. You be a worshiper. You be a praiser. You go ahead and bless the Lord at all times. When you get the good news, bless him. When you get the bad news, bless him. And I'm telling you, if you'll worship God, you'll come through. I can't imagine in that that day of of Jesus having anything worse happen in my life than, hey, you're a leper, get out of here. But it turned around because of worship. It got better because of worship. Worship the Lord. We've got to worship him. Even in the good times. You say, well, that's given, man. When things are going good, you go, yeah. isn't it funny? It's usually when things are going so good that the worship dies down. You know, we, it, opposites attract, I guess. You know, but it seems like, oh, if things are so good, I'm just going to be praising God because things are going so good. But God knew that human nature was not such to follow that rule all the time. 
And so he warned Israel in, the, in Deuteronomy. He warned them. He said, I'm about to put you in the promised land. And I'm going to win the battles for you. I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. You're going to be eating. Uh, it's a land flowing milk and honey. You're going to have everything your heart desires to eat. You're going to be blessed. I'm going to take care of you. The fear of, the, of God's going to be on everybody. When you come in, they, they're going to know who you are. He was just telling them how good they're going to have it. And he said, but you better beware. That when it gets when you sit down in your house that you didn't build and you're in your cities that you didn't build and, and you're rejoicing over victories that I won and, and you're eating from vineyards you didn't plant, when everything's going so good that you you better be careful. Make sure you give me the glory and give God the glory. Don't start saying, Look what I've done. Don't start saying, Oh, isn't this great what we've got? And and, and you forget God. We say, oh, I would never forget God. The Lord wouldn't have said it was possible if it wasn't possible. And it may not mean that, that people are just backsliding and, and doing sinful things. It's just they quit worshiping God. Things are so good. Now. Oh, I, Don't worry. It's like need God break glass. You know, it's, it's like he's in a box like a fire extinguisher. If you need God, break the glass. Well, if ain't no fire, I ain't touching the fire extinguisher. And a lot of times if there ain't no trouble or turmoil, oh, it's quiet. But when we'll bless God in the good times, I'm telling you, God, God is going to be watching. And when, you're, when everything's going fine, when you're feeling good, when your job's good, when your school's good, when everything's good and relationships are good and, and money's good and, I, man, the economy, you know, everything's just good. The sun's shining. I got my favorite food on the table. Got my favorite shoes on my feet. Everything's great, man. Then praise him. Thank you, God, for what I've got. Oh, you're worthy. I have nothing without you. Bless God when it's good. Praise him when it's good. Don't forget that you wouldn't have nothing. You say, well, look what I've got. Mm, man, wash your mouth out with soap. Don't say that. Don't say that. Do what you do, but give God the glory because the increase comes from God. We do our part, sure, but it don't, if God don't bless it, it don't happen. Plant all the seeds in the ground you want. If God doesn't want them to grow, they won't grow. In the scripture, he could even close up, we, many times we read that he closed up people's wounds where they couldn't have children. It wouldn't matter if they did everything it took to have children. If God said that, ah. you know, one of those guys' wife said, give me children or I'm going to die. He said, it ain't me. God has done this. And then later, God remembers her and opens up her womb and she has children. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter. We can do all we want to do. But until God blesses it, it don't happen. So don't forget where the increase comes from. And bless God when it's good. Don't get proud and forgetful. Get proud because we think the good things came because we earned it or deserved it. We're not entitled. I'm starting to ring a little bit up here, bro. Something's happening. We become forgetful because our pride leads us to selfish thinking. And we become engrossed in our own accomplishments. Even in good times, our worship unto the Lord can suffer. Even in good times, our praise to the king of kings can be silenced. We must praise him in the good times. I will bless the Lord at all times when it's good. Now, the one that we're, we know about, we must choose to worship the Lord in bad times. 
Now, uh, sometimes people say, well, it, it can go either way. Sometimes bad times uh, it do inspire us. That's where we start crying out. That's when we start worshiping. But uh, sometimes the bad times have a way of handcuffing us. Yeah. Worry, fear, anxiety, or simply uh, an emotional uh, downturn. Bad times can often be a catalyst for silence. Many people find themselves in bad times avoid the altar. They find excuses to miss church. And then if they happen to come to church, they feel a heaviness that stops them in their praise. But that's when you look at people like Job. After experience as what can be only described as a complete and utter disaster in his life, Job's response was remarkable. Job had received bad report after bad report after bad report. The theft of his oxen, the slaying of his servants, loss of his sheep, the disappearance of his camels, and finally uh, the death of his sons and daughters. Instead of uh, cursing God and dying, instead of just shutting his mouth and not doing anything, he finds a place and he tears his clothes and he falls to the ground and it says he worshiped. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I'm going out. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a day he had. And I know that we read that and we reference that and, and it's tremendous. But Job was preached all, even in through to the New Testament uh, how, and people used him for an example, remembering uh, how Job suffered, remembering what he went through and how that God blessed the latter end of Job greater. God responded to Job's worship because Job had a worship in the good times and a worship in the bad times. Job, when God moved his hand back so that the enemy could attack him, what the enemy didn't count on was what that, he, he didn't realize that there was already another wall there. It was Job's worship. It was Job's integrity. And so even though uh, he could attack Job and, 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 and take his stuff and he could attack his body and afflict his body, he couldn't do nothing with who Job was. That's why God said there's not another one like him in the land. He's different than anybody you'll ever see. Don't, go ahead. Take your stuff. See what happens. When I do, he'll curse you to your face. Try it. Because God knows that when people worship him in the good times and the bad times, or in the good times, he knows they'll stop and they'll worship him in the bad times. He knew that Job, he, I'm not worried. Do what you want to do. Job will not do what you're saying. And he didn't. God trusted. Let me tell you, whenever you are a worshiper of that king and God sees that, when God has confidence in you, listen, whatever you're going through, you just know if God has allowed this in my life, then God will bring me out. God will make a way. God will provide an answer because I worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I've praised him when it was good and I'm praising him now that it's bad. And let me tell you, God will come through. I know it'd be nice if we didn't have to have those uh, tough times, but sometimes we do. But tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. You'll never have to say God didn't come through. God will come through. And so whether it's good times or bad times, it calls for worship. 
Worship when we're strong like the Israelites, settled in a land filled with milk and honey. And we must worship when we're weak like Job and our life seems to have turned against us. And it's difficult sometimes. It's hard to understand and sense the Lord in his presence when these things are going on. We're like Job sometimes. I'm looking where he works. I don't see him. I'm looking forward and backward. I can't find him. I can't perceive him is what he said. So, you know, uh, you don't even have to see something to perceive it. You can feel that presence. I, I, I don't feel nothing. I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. And uh, so, but here's what I know, that God knows the way I take. And when he's done, I'll be like gold. So uh, when we can't see him, we must trust him. And when we cannot sense him, we must still worship him. As we got to, uh, back to Abraham, and I had a wife. Oh, okay. That's, that's fine. When we think about Abraham and Isaac, you know, I don't know what Isaac thought walking up that mountain because he see, you know, I don't know how long it took him to finally get up enough nerve to ask his dad, uh, I see the wood and I see the fire. But where's the sacrifice? This is a conversation that Abraham was trying to avoid. I just want to get to the top of this mountain and get this over with. But somewhere in there, this, he had no promise of this. And I don't believe Abraham was just lying, trying to soothe his son. I believe he was, he was completely making a statement of faith. Yeah. My son, God will provide a lamb. Now, wait a minute, Abraham. I don't read that in nothing God said. He just said, go to the mountain and offer your son up. Nothing about any substitute sacrifice anywhere. It's not there. But, man, I'm telling you, when you worship God, when you have faith in him, you can start speaking answers. You can start speaking things into existence. And let me tell you, he, he, he said, listen, son, that faith rose up in him. He said, God will provide a lamb. His, he caught a prophetic glimpse of a new revelation of Jehovah. He was about to meet Jehovah Jireh. Right. He, he, had, he had not seen this, this part of God yet, but it was about to happen. And every step Abraham took was a step of faith, and every stride that he made was filled with worship. And during test and trial, Abraham made up his mind, I will bless the Lord at all times. But when they get to the top of that hill, nobody sees that, that ram ain't hiding in the bush yet. They build the altar. And they get the wood ready. I, I don't know how this went. It doesn't say there was a fight. It doesn't say there was a struggle. It could just completely be that Isaac trusted his dad enough and his faith in God enough. Let's see what happens. Because he binds him. Maybe he, or maybe he bound him because he was trying to run. Maybe he had to catch him and hold him. I don't, I, it doesn't say. But he ends up in the place of the sacrifice, and with the knife drawn back, the voice comes out of heaven again. Abraham, here I am. Don't harm your son, your only son, because now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld him. And, and uh, they both look around and look up, and they see that ram caught in the bush. I've heard people preach about 
as you're walking up one side, your answer's coming up the other side, however it is, or either God just put him there. I don't know. But I do know that, don't you know, Abraham was happy, and Isaac was surely happy. I'm sure he, I'm sure he was just, come on, little ram. Woo! But Isaac learned that day. See, it wasn't just Abraham getting a lesson. Isaac learned because he watched the example of his father. You need to make sure that you're an example in worship so that maybe it's your kids or somebody else that's got their eye on you that they'll see, hey, when it's tough, they worshiped. When it was good, they worshiped. And, and, and uh, Isaac now knows that, hey, no matter what comes my way, if I'm a worshiper, there's an answer coming. And so uh, now I understand what Dad will say. Maybe he reflected on it later. You know, he said when we was going up the hill, we was going to worship. He, was, he knew all along he was taking me to sacrifice me. And maybe he appreciated what his dad went through, what his dad thought. But then he said, man, I want to be like my dad. I want to be like Abraham. I want to have, I want to have faith like him in this God that, that he's talking about it. And so uh, it wasn't just Abraham that saw a blessing that day. It wasn't just Abraham that, that learned about Jehovah Jireh, Isaac. Because Isaac was in a tough spot too. And it wasn't his choosing. God designed that, that trial and Isaac fell in place. But God made a way. And so, honey, you can come to the music. I'm wrapping up right here. When times are good, our response should be worship. Bless the Lord at all times. Or times bad, our response should be worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Are we experiencing testing and trials? Then our response should be worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because He is always worthy of worship. And God never changes. If He was ever worthy of your praise and worship, if you ever found yourself in a place where you said, I love you more than anything and I'm going to worship you forever, that should never change. Because He's the same God. He's the same God. And, that, and I'll tell you what, well, you can stand with me this morning. That means a lot to me personally today. Because on this day, January the 13th, 1993, 26 years ago on this day, is where God got me. And the goodness of God led me to an altar of repentance. And I fell down on my face and prayed and cried out to God. And it was 26 years ago on this day that I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And, and if you think it's been uh, just glory and, and wonderfulness and sweetness all the way, it ain't been. There's been some heartache and some trials. Now, God's been good all the time. And I have uh, made up my mind then, and, I, and God helped me, and by His mercy and grace, I'll hold to it. But I came into this thing with a praise and a shout. And as long as I'm able, I'm going to go out of this place with a praise and a shout. Until either he catches me away or I take my last breath, it will be, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You got a praise for him. You got a worship for him. Let me tell you, worship will carry you on. Worship will keep you going. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord and just worship together for a moment. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching your worship. Somebody's depending 
on your worship. There's an innocent bystander that's caught in the middle, but your worship's going to be an answer. Your worship's going to provide a miracle. Come on, your worship's going to be a lifeline to them. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your grift. Come on, hang on to it. Hallelujah. I'm going to worship God. I got children looking at me. I got brothers and sisters watching me. I got family watching my worship. I'm going to be the lifeline for them. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep serving. Hallelujah. It might be good right now, and I'm still going to shout. It might be rough right now, but I'm still going to shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bless Him at all times. I bless Him at all times. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 26 years has gone by in a blink. Sometimes it seems like it was just yesterday. And then sometimes it seems like it was a whole nother life. And when I start thinking back of all that he's seen us through, I think about all the great things that came my way because of that day 26 years ago. There's a boy in here somewhere. You know what all of you came about in my life because of what happened 26 years ago. I wouldn't take a million dollars for none of you. I love every one of you. I've seen God do some great things, Brother Stevens. Brother, I've cried and I've said, why? But I ain't never wanted to quit. And I'm telling you, worship will put something in you that'll make you hang on. Man, it'll keep you gripping the ledge. I watched a guy one time a few months ago, seen a guy sky, uh, not sky, hang gliding, takes off with this guy. They're supposed to be in tandem, you know. Oh, this is a great time. You're going to see all this beautiful scenery. It wasn't none of it beautiful. Because once they got off the ground, they realized they forgot to hook him in. And he was hanging on to the rail way up in the sky. And it was, if you're watching the video, you think, man, look how beautiful all that is. It wasn't beautiful for him because for about 13 minutes or something like that, he's hanging on for dear life because he knows. And the guy driving the thing, he can't reach down and get him because if he lets go, both of them are going to die. You just think you can't hold on. Yes, you can. You just think you can't. Yes, you can. Let me tell you, you hold on. You keep worshiping. You keep praising because it ain't just you. That guy had family. He had other people depending on him. And you know what? He held on, and they got to see him another day. Woo! Come on, somebody. Hold on. Keep worshiping. Keep praising. And you'll see tomorrow. You'll see another day. God is so good, isn't he? All the time. Worthy of worship. Man, we're going to have some church here in just a few minutes. Let's find a place to pray before the next service and get ready for God to do some amazing things. I love you. Thank you for being in service this morning.